And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome to the Andy Staples Show. Happy Draft Week. You know it's a great day when Bruce Feldman joins the show. Bruce, welcome. Good to be on with you guys. I don't get a chance to see Ari enough. We know how she feels about him, but I am glad to be here. <laughs> yes, Ari is banned from the Audible, and that's that's all right. Still have not been on like since the ban. So, like, until somebody says, until I'm on the show, I don't care what anybody says. It's a joke. We're working on it. Yeah, <laughs> sounds like it. Well, we banned Stuart from this show too. Yeah, right. Stu's banned from the. Although from the I think Andy he's Stable been show. on it since I banned him, so I, I, I don't. He's banned I, starting today. Okay, all right. So he's banned. And then as soon as he lifts the ban on Ari, we will lift the ban on Stewart. That's that's the that's the deal. But Bruce, we wanted to bring you on because you in NFL draft season tap into your massive Rolodex. Nobody uses Rolodex anymore. The contact section of your of your phone and do these great stories. A few weeks ago, you had a mock draft first round where you talked to to all of these college coaches who had prepped for all the guys who might be drafted in the first round with some really good intel. And then on Monday, you dropped your draft confidential where you talked to NFL coaches and talent evaluators about these guys. And I I was very intrigued because you you start off right away with CJ Stroud, who is like the he's been the topic du jour over the past week or so. And it blows my mind because nothing's happened in the past week. Yet everybody's like, CJ Stroud's dropping. How do we know this? We don't know for sure because it's beauties in the eye of the beholder. And so for this piece on The Athletic, uh, I have three NFL quarterback coaches, two who probably would not be taking a quarterback. Uh, their teams have good quarterbacks right now. One of those three does not. Um, but so I would set up this way. So one of the two uh, is a veteran quarterback coach who is a big believer in an in S2. That is the cognition is test that mm -hmm. one of our colleagues who covers the 49ers did a terrific story on probably two months ago in yeah. relationship to Brock. They've got a, it's a specially designed keyboard that measures your response time and it's it's like shapes and numbers and it tests not not There's just how, layers how much you it. yeah it's how fast you process along Can with the imagine processing. Imagine how terrible I would be at that. Yes. <laughs> I think it would be amazing. <laughs> Imagine do I'm it. expecting Andy to make you do this at some I point. I think if we, is there a way that we can do it or do you have to go? Uh, we have to go to them where they okay. have the machine, but I think we can make it happen. Yeah. So okay. I um, so one of the guys I talked to is a big believer in that. And he had said to me he had CJ above Bryce until and then he basically said until he saw the results of the s2 and he said look i you know i'm a believer in it because we've seen it we've seen some of the players that we've had how they do it it kind of lines up but this person said what is a little bit probably off for uh, you know some of the people talking about it is it's really not your overall score he said it's in about four specific categories that they think are really relevant to translating and, and there's nine categories yeah. And so, and in the store, we list what those categories are. And, and, um, so, and this person also said, look, his score was not good. It was alarming. But if we were going to be looking at drafting a quarterback high in the first round, I would have him retake the test. He said, because something could have been off with that on that day. And this person, as well as the other two coaches, said they do not see. When you look at his film, a guy who you would think would have those issues that seem to be reflected in the S2. And that's the part that I think is really interesting. So when I started working on this, this story, probably, I don't know, a month ago, um, I knew I was going to talk about quarterbacks, but I did not think 
you know, it was like probably last Tuesday when I talked to, or no, it was last Wednesday night when I talked to the first quarterback coach who brought up the analytics part, giving him pause on, on, on CJ. And then we talked more about it. I was like, Ooh, this could be interesting. And then like two days later, uh, I think there was a longtime former Packers reporter who had written a story and mentioned some of these specific numbers mm -hmm. uh, related to the S2, and it got a lot more traction. And and so to have some of these people I was already talking to or, or in the process of talking to was was good because I think we were able to shed some light on on what what that is and how it translates. The one thing I I, I thought was really interesting and and. I hadn't thought about it quite this way or or seen it put quite this bluntly, but one of the coaches you talked to mentioned this, he, he's, he was throwing at Ohio state to the best receiving core he'll ever have in his life. That's, that's basically what the coach said. Like you won't have one that good in the NFL even, which is a yeah, testament to Ohio state's receivers, but also probably true. Yeah. I mean, he, when he goes, you had Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, Marvin Harrison jr. And then Jackson Smith and Jigba. He said, "Do you have one?" But he goes, "It's it's you're lucky if you have two of those in the NFL." He had four and maybe five, and so and this person who played quarterback at a pretty high level said, "You know, you breathe a lot easier when you're ripping it to CJ Stroud when you're ripping it to Marvin Harrison Jr. or compared to." And he, you know, kind of had a context for him who he was throwing to, and it's it's just a much different dynamic. So not to pat our colleague on the back, but in that case, stars that absolutely did matter. Oh. Well, it is funny to be uh, guys because, you know, one of the hardest things in the recruiting process and Bruce, you know, all about this is that it's hard to break down film and accurately rate high schoolers based on the competition that they're playing. Um, but in college, it's almost the reverse of that, right? Where it's like if you're on a super team in the competition that you're you're facing, this is a big topic of discussion last year when Zach Wilson was, was drafted or two years ago of like, how do you account for players who play on teams like Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State versus a person who plays at BYU at a group of five school? And like, I think that we're still trying to parse through, um, you know, what that all means in terms of level and talent that's around you. But the, the question I have, and I, I saw this on, on in your story, Bruce, is, you know, you, you talked about who has the highest ceiling, like the person, if everything goes right, you know, I think that we all kind of know who that might be. But my thought of C.J. Stroud, and based on your reporting, I'm curious to know what you thought, is that he would probably have the lowest floor of the three. Is that is that a fair that, assessment? That's exactly how I feel. Like, if based on my limited knowledge, C.J. Stroud, to me, would be my first, if I had the first pick, because, and I need a quarterback, because I would be, and, uh, and a couple of these guys I talked to echoed this, but I would be scared to death of, of Bryce Young's size in the NFL. I know we had... Jeff Howard, one of our NFL writers, you know, talked to Alabama medical staff and talked about how healthy he was. That's fortunate. But like, as somebody in my story says, Lamar, who's a much bigger guy. I don't know if people, you know, in college remember Mar Lamar Jackson's a big dude. Yeah. He has he struggles to make it through a season. Jalen Hurts has gotten hurt. Jalen Hurts is a huge dude. I mean, he's not super tall, but he's like built like a linebacker. He's a power lifter. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, these guys do not make it through seasons and they are much bigger than Bryce Young is. And you're talking about the first pick of the draft. I mean, that's the hesitation I would have. Now I get it. Like it was, it's fun to ask people about Andy's neighbor there, Anthony Richardson. And I was I, shocked reading what the coaches said to you about him because it it seemed like they were just like lack of production, not worried about it. Yeah, I mean, they you know the one thing that that came up a little bit. One of the coaches said, and they were just so effusive on him was if you look at like the Florida State game, what he complete like thirty five percent of his passes. I went back and wrote those thirty. Yeah. Yeah, 33%. It was like, yeah, but there was a couple of throws he made, which were like, were like wow throws that guys didn't make plays on the ball. Yeah. And those are different. And or somebody else dropped. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody else just said, look, he probably has a late first round guard and maybe a third day, a third day pick at a receiver and maybe a good young running back. And that's it. And he's going in, in the SEC. It's not like he was playing at Wyoming where Josh Allen, came. you know, it's like the competition of what he was facing what is is scary right and so people were raving about it but i thought one thing was was you know interesting kind of thought thought point was um who is more physically gifted 
than Anthony Richardson. And you go back. And so we were playing, you know, me and this coach were kind of playing this game. And the first name that came to me, and it's not a size, size guy necessarily, but arguably like the most wow athlete I feel like I've seen play college football was Michael Vick. Yes. Michael Vick would flick his wrist and it felt like it was going out there 65 yards on a line. Nobody could catch him. He was super elusive. Um, now he, he was six, one, two fifteen. He's not, you know, not Josh Allen stature, but like the combination of six, four, almost two fifty, and running four, four, three and having Josh Allen's arm, like nobody has that combination of that level of speed, that big of an arm and that size. And he's 20 years old, by the way. Exactly. That's, that's the other piece of it. Uh, I thought it was interesting. One of the, one of the QB coaches mentioned that, that Billy Napier's offense is a little more difficult than than people realize, and you know that was one that, that they had a guy named Levi Lewis at Louisiana who ran it really well, but he was a veteran guy, and it wasn't you know first year starter. This is you're just getting thrown in against these really good defenses. So, it, yeah, I I've gone from what are these people thinking to understanding why they're going to pick Anthony Richardson as high as they are. I still don't know that it's going to work, but I get it. Why now? One other point on that, though, guys, too. Like, I feel like it's a different... Josh Allen was a, you know, and credit to you, Andy. You went out and saw him when he was... I know you went out to... to yes, he was on spring break in San yeah. Diego working out with uh, with Jared Garantano. Oh, geez. Wow, there's a blast from the past. Yeah. <laughs> and so, but Stu and I particularly, and I'm, I don't know anybody else who covers college football who's like, oh yeah, what the NFL scouts see, I'm buying, right? Mid-50s completion percentage, didn't do well against power five opponents when Wyoming played him. But Brian Dayball did a fantastic job bringing him along, right? And Brian Dayball did a really good job last year getting the most out of Daniel Jones. And the Eagles did a fantastic job of bringing Jalen Hurts along. And I think you see the, you know, a lot of guys you know, now if they don't fit, I'm not saying like if the right coach had had Tim Tebow or the right coach had had Jake Locker, by the way, somebody evoked Jake Locker's name in this process um, at some point. Um, you know, it's the guys who maybe aren't very accurate. You know, it's like, okay, how far down this road are we going to go? Well, you're going to go pretty far down the road if you if you see the talent of Anthony Richardson. Yeah, they're, they're going to talk themselves into it. But the you got another guy who is a, a physically gifted quarterback who, if Anthony Richardson was not in this draft class, Will Levis would be considered the, probably the most physically gifted of all these guys. But he feels like kind of the man of mystery here. And he is. I mean, the coaches I talked to didn't have a didn't have a great comfort level. They, his personality, I think, was kind of through them a little bit. Uh, you know, he is very smart. He was really good in his debut season without even having spring ball. Liam Cohen was the new offensive coordinator. They were good. And then everything kind of fell apart. Liam left to go back to the NFL. They replaced him with another NFL guy who really struggled. It was very predictable. They didn't do much in the quarterback run game. The offensive line, most of it left. Wandell Robinson, who was really his most dynamic playmaker, he moved on to the NFL and they sputtered. And, you know, one of the, you mentioned that, that mock draft store, one of the quotes, I remember one of the SEC coaches was like, yeah, it was like he was seeing ghosts out there. I, I think people still know he can do it, the physical tools, but I was a little surprised, but I'm not in those interviews with, with those quarterbacks to say, Oh, you know, like maybe, I don't know. Some of the coaches were like not thrilled with some of the social media stuff. And I don't, you know, they just, um, you know, they just didn't have the same feel for him. We'll be right back after this message from one of our lovely sponsors. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just a job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who are actively searching for a new job might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. 
LinkedIn knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats, it might not have the time or resources to hire. LinkedIn is constantly finding ways to make the process easier. They even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process even easier and quicker. 2.5 million small businesses use LinkedIn for hiring, and it's time you join that number. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash CFB23. That's linkedin.com slash CFB and the numbers 23 to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. You know, you know, there's a quarterback that we haven't really spent much time talking about, but I feel like is an interesting discussion. And I saw that you had some quotes in there about Hendon Hooker. Like, what's your what's your take on him and like, I, I don't know. Would he be a first-round pick if he never got injured? Is that a stupid question? He, he- I don't think it's a stupid question because – and one of the coaches in there had said, you know, in a way it might be a blessing in disguise that he did get injured because so much is going to be a translation from the system. It was no full-field reads. It was a very different system at Tennessee. It worked great for them, but that's a, that's a harder ask in terms of adjusting to what he's going to do in the NFL. A lot of the people, and this goes back to the college coaches I talked to, you know, a month or two ago, they all were very high on Hendon Hooker. And they were like, thought he was really smart, good pocket presence, has a really good arm. Uh, When the coaches, the NFL coaches met with him in Indy, they got a really good feeling for him. They said his, his recall and his grasp on what they did at Virginia Tech, which is obviously the first place he went, they were impressed by how well he knew that. Um... I think, Ari, what you're saying is I, I think he he is definitely capable of being a first-round quarterback. It's just once you get past, like, t- in the low 20s, like, the Cincinnati Bengals don't need a quarterback. Mm-hmm, the Kansas City right. Chiefs don't. You start going through those mm-hmm. teams, not only do they don't need a quarterback, a lot of those guys are, like, in their mid-20s or, you know, like, in their late 20s. Right. They need a quarterback for a while. So, um, you know, do you, the the one of the NFL QB coaches I talked to over the weekend was like, I think he's like a three year guy, meaning you take him, you know, he's got to rehab a bunch for the first year from his injury. You get him acclimated to learn and you're teaching him year two. He's kind of competing with the number two. And then year three. Hey, let's see if he can be the guy. I just asked that question because Andy was the first person who fell in love with him. And I wanted to I wanted to snatch it from him. And I fell in love with the personality more than the the quarterback skill. And then he has, you know, blows up this season. But Bruce, I'm I'm curious from talking to these guys. I feel like at some point a quarterback from that offense will be successful in the NFL. It hasn't happened yet, but you and I both know that this is the Art Bryles Baylor offense, basically. They were very secretive about that offense at first. There were only a few people who ran it. And so you didn't see it very much, but now it is everywhere. I mean, Ole Miss runs it, Oklahoma runs it, Tennessee runs it, uh, TCU is going to run it next year. Like you're you're seeing it in so many places. I feel like at some point somebody's going to break through. Like it took Patrick Mahomes, that's right, to have yeah, a successful air raid quarterback in the NFL. But at some point, one of these guys will break through. Yeah, it's just I think unlike the air raids, I don't know how many of these concepts have trickled up. Right, like the Patriots right. doing some stuff that. You know, I don't know. Ten years ago, some of these. I don't think you can do it. Like you, you can't run the whole offense against the NFL because the hash marks are too narrow. The hash marks are uh, different, right? Yeah, and and then also the corners are too good. Like they're they're good enough to take people out, and and you can move your safeties into the box, and and you just can't run the ball. Yeah, I mean, I also think some of it routes wise. You know, you'll see a lot of those guys, they, they may not even get off the line. It's like, all right, I'm not in this play. It just right. it's a little bit foreign, you know, to what the NFL does. But that doesn't mean somebody who hasn't mastered it. And like you said, um, especially with quarterbacks who've been in multiple systems, I think the key is what he what that guy has who makes him really good in this. You know, why wouldn't he not be really good in something else? And also, if you were a college coach and I, I mean – I, it would be tempting not to run this because look what it did for Tennessee. This mm-hmm. is the best year. This past year was the best year Tennessee football has had since 2001. Yeah. I mean, that offense got 
that program out of the ditch. And that and that 2001 team had more talent on it than this team did. Yeah, I mean that 2001 team had Albert Hainsworth, John Henderson, Jason Witten, Dante Stallworth, Kelly Watt. Like it was loaded. So yeah, that that's the thing. It is it is a very effective offense that at at a certain point there are going to be so many college programs running it that the NFL is going to have to figure out how to use these guys. The receivers, because the receivers coming out of it haven't done well either. They have not. I, I mean, Corey one of Coleman. my whiffs Cautionary of tale. Corey Coleman. I mean, I thought Corey Coleman, like when this was back in the days, I feel like I was at West Virginia a lot, but like Corey Coleman scared the heck out of those defensive coaches in that league. He didn't do anything in the NFL. Well, he got drafted by the Browns, so you got to take that into account. <laughs> ah, that's <this> is true. <laughs> uh, so – Another thing I noticed, because uh, you were talking to, to some defensive coaches about Will Anderson, and I've been on this this kick lately because you, you're seeing, one, the Texans might not take a quarterback at two, and that Tyree Wilson might be that guy because the, he, that's the Texas Tech edge rusher, very big guy, 270, very fast, huge, high ceiling. Really and, long. When you see him in person, yeah. we did – I think it was TCU, Texas Tech. And I saw Tim DeRuder, their defense coordinator on the field. And like 10 minutes later, they, he came out in warmups and not in pads, just in like, you know, in a t-shirt. And you see him and you're like, wow, this guy, what is he doing at Texas Tech? You know, yeah. But Will Anderson put up Derek Thomas-like numbers as a sophomore. Didn't do that as a, as a junior. Had games where he kind of disappeared, and, and you, one of your coaches mentioned the Tennessee game where Darnell Wright handled him pretty well. But I don't know. I, I feel like we're overthinking this on Will Anderson. I feel like he's going to be a really good NFL player. Yeah, I'd agree. I mean, one of the people I talked to, I, I said, why are people, why do you think other people inside the NFL are kind of dinging him? And this person was like, and this is a coordinator, was like, you know, I think maybe it's because they're looking at it and seeing, well, he doesn't have like Von Miller level explosiveness. Well, Von Miller was the MVP of the Super Bowl, right? And he was a legit track guy. Like, I think he was a hurdler from DeSoto, Texas before he got to A&M. You know, those guys are super rare. But, you know, here you have Aiden Hutchinson, who did not have probably the exact length people are looking for to be the first pick of the draft. He went, what, he's second, you know, and had a- And he was awesome. (laughs) <laughs> really terrific rookie year and, you know, brings everything else. Um, and he has really good change of direction. I just think, you know, maybe there's not the one wow thing, but the effort is really good. And, and Andy used the term incredibly high floor. That's what I think you have with Will Anderson. If you told me if I was a fan of the Cardinals or the Texans and that's who they took, I'd be like, okay, I, I mean, that guy was a dominant player, the dominant defensive player the last two years. If if the Texans did take if the Texans go quarterback or they take Tyree Wilson, if I'm the person from the Cardinals whose responsibility is is to get the card to the commissioner, I'm gonna break my ankle running as fast <laughs> as I can trying to get Will Anderson's name up there. So hey Bruce, there's been a lot of discussion in the past about like where you would take a uh a running back, you know, and whether or not they're worthy of a, a top 15 pick. Um, we all know how good Bijan Robinson is, and you had some some reporting done on him. But can I tell you a running back that I kind of really loved in college and get your take on on what you might think of him? And that's UCLA's uh, Zach Charbonnet. I thought he was incredible. Like, is he somebody that you, you know, got some good comments on? Or Yeah, and I liked him a lot too, Ari. I mean, I live out here, and I I'm probably see UCLA – as practice and and games as much as probably any program. I mean, he's really smart. He became a better receiver. He's got really good vision and he is a sledgehammer. You know, he's a big, strong 225 pound guy. Um, One of the running back coaches I talked to really liked him. I mean, it was not, you know, it was after Bijan, but like, he was like, you know, because he runs so hard, you know, over four yards per carry comes from yards after contact alone. That's Uh, amazing. It is. And, you know, I I think he was a guy they did a lot with. um, I I think, you know, if you told me he was a thousand yard back in the NFL and a thousand yards with 17 games probably doesn't carry quite as much weight as it did when when, uh, you know, we were all growing up. Um, But 
I still think he is – to me, there's probably like five backs in this draft who, if you told me they ended up becoming borderline stars, I would not be surprised. And Charbonnet is one of them um, because just we, we've seen what he what he did at UCLA. Oh, I, I think – because one, my, my – and I've said this a bunch of times and, and on Prospects of Pros, the podcast I do with Dan Brewer, I say this all the time. If you're going to draft a back in the first round, you need to feel comfortable playing them at slot receiver for, for an entire game. So that's Bijan, that's Jameer Gibbs in this yeah. draft. But I think Zach Charbonnet, Ty J. Spears, Deuce Vaughn, Tank Bigsby, all for different reasons, could be very productive NFL backs. You know, and and some of these guys are going to be drafted like the fifth round. Yeah. I mean, I would put um Kendra Miller in that group. He's got great balance. Yeah. yeah. A lot of damage. You know, he's still pretty young. The, the name I heard a bunch from, you know, from some of the coaches I talked to, Dwayne McBride from UAB. The only thing with him is he does have a fumble, you know, rep a little bit. You got to worry about how, you know, ball security. That was the one thing. But, you know, we see so many of these guys, you know, Spears is one that like, I'll be honest, till November of last year, I maybe November, maybe late October. I didn't know anything about him. Then you watch him. And my reaction was, um, he's like one of these running backs that Memphis was cranking out in the last five years. Yeah. They're all in the NFL and they're yeah. all like, they all look really fast. Like what did that guy run at the combine? Like four, two, nine. And they're not quite that fast, but they just play really fast. And, and Spears, you know, I think he was one of the best kept secrets in college football last year. Based on your reporting, who do you think is the best or is perceived to be the best receiver in the draft? Uh, oh, Ari, I don't want you asking me this question because I'm going to give you the answer you would expect. I don't think I don't, it's close. I think it's Jackson Smith and Jigba. I don't even think it's close. That's interesting, though, because if he played a full season, would he be drafted in a different place? We saw Jamar Chase get drafted very high without playing. Yeah, I don't all. think he's Jamar Chase, but people, you know, like his his ability to separate is really good. He's physically tough. He's got really good hands. He's got a great feel for what he's doing. I think this is a bad draft for receivers. And the more I talk to receivers coaches – I think it is worse. Um, yeah. You know, the guy who was my freaks list guy who um, who I saw a bunch and he looks great, but, you know, so kind of worries some coaches is Quentin Johnston. You know, they want to see more from him, what he does. They don't feel like he has a great feel. He's really raw as a route runner. Um, he, he is good, uh, you know, with the ball in his hands. And he's and he's pretty smooth, and he's obviously a, a really explosive athlete. But this is a not only a bad draft for receivers. There's not a bunch of big ones. They're all small. Yeah, because yeah. he's he's a bigger receiver. He looks like Calvin Johnston. I mean, Calvin Johnson compared to the rest of this group. And I think that's probably bumping him up because you got Zay Flowers, who a lot of the coaches I talk to love, but he's really small from Boston College, but really really good. Jordan Addison, who is obviously great at Pitt. And was good at USC, but he's not only really small and slight, he didn't run that fast at the combine. He ran like a high 4-4 time. You got Jalen Hyatt from Tennessee, who's really fast, but people don't think he don't know if he can run routes because he's in that system. Um, so it's not, it's not a good, it's just not a good group of receivers. Whereas I think Jackson Smith and Jigba. I think he'll be terrific and he's a safe bet, but I think there, I think there's a big drop between Jackson Smith and Jigba and all the other receivers. You had some interesting comments from, from DB coaches on one of my favorite players in the draft. There's another guy from the sec besides Bryce young, who's getting questioned quite a bit because of his size. And that's Emmanuel Forbes, the the corner from Mississippi state. Who's basically like a pick six machine, (laughs) but he is six one one sixty six. Like that is, that's skinnier than Devonte Smith, if you're if you're thinking about it that way. Yeah, it's a good it's a good analogy. Um, he was one that like the college coaches I talked to a month ago liked. The NFL coaches I talked to seemed to love him. They said he's really physical. Yeah, he said just super fluid, but he is 166 pounds, and you wonder how well he hold up for 20 games. You know, essentially. Some and dudes are is. just dogs, though, and that's that's what I'm thinking. Even though he's so small. Well, the one who's the one who's like the most like that is Witherspoon, Devin Witherspoon from mm. Illinois. Yeah. And when I remember talking to the college coaches, especially one in particular who is a running back coach in the Big Ten, 
he talked about him like he was Patrick Peterson size. And I was like, you know, he's not that big. He goes, what is he like? Six one, one ninety five. I'm like, no, he's not even six feet. And he's like a little over one eighty. And he goes, man, he's like, you know, the orner, the orneriest dog in the on the yard kind of thing. And people love him. And he didn't run at the combine, but Witherspoon ran on his pro day, and everybody's like, okay, he's fast. We think he's fast. He's plenty fast enough, but they love his film. You know, um, what's what's interesting is if we, the three of us, had this conversation um, in in August or last offseason a year ago, and we talked about cornerbacks, I almost guarantee you one of the names we would have talked about is a guy I couldn't really find anybody to say too much, you know, like – Eli oh, Ricks. What? Eli Ricks? No, no, that's uh, that would. They're not saying nice things about him either. But no, this one was the was one of the stars of Georgia's national title game two years ago. Oh, Keely Ringo. Keely Ringo. Yeah, people People were saying negative things about him going into the national title game too in the playoff, right? Oh, we we slow and stuff. We said it going weird. He matched up there. Yeah, really stiff. That like okay, he probably he might be a good special teams player, but they worry about him in coverage. They don't think. He could be a safety or like it was interesting, you know, where there was just a lot of skepticism about it. And he was the five star of all five star DBs because right. he's got really good size and he is a legit track guy. But it's the straight line speed and some of the other stuff they were leery of. Catherine B. reminding me that I said before the Peach Bowl that Keeler Ringo should probably be a safety. And I, I stand by that. <laughs> Maybe a move to safety would it be helpful for him? Maybe. I mean, I think the question is, does he have the vision to play it? And I don't, yeah. I don't know the answer. Cause to he, that. he is one of those guys that seems to be in on stuff in on plays. And like Tyran Matthew is like that in college where if you, if you tried to play him as a, as a you know, boundary corner against a top receiver, he would get cooked, but look at how valuable he is at doing all the other stuff. So that's why I, Yeah. I think uh, thank you, Catherine, for reminding me of that, because I, I do think that's something that that they should think about with with Keely Ringo when, when he gets into the league. We'll be right back after these words. And now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Uh, Bruce, I want to shift gears and talk about a story you wrote about a guy who's still in college, a guy we watched for the last two years at Clemson who is now out in Corvallis, DJ Uyengale. You were just in Corvallis talking to the former Clemson starting quarterback, uh, Southern California contemporary of Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud, but we're not talking about him in this draft. We're talking about him in a new environment. Yeah, and that was one of the questions, Andy, I was going to ask him about was how, you know, like how challenging it's kind of manage that where everybody expected you to be one of the guys as the first two picks of the draft in this draft. And it's Bryce, who was really a guy he was competing with a lot. And then CJ, who he was buddies with, but CJ was, as you guys know, was like a three-star guy until he blew up at the opening. 
And his answer was really, I thought it was terrific. He was didn't have a trace of like kind of jealousy to it or anything. He was super, um, you know, he still trains with some of with those guys when, when they're out there. And so the conversation was really, really easy and smooth. And so as we transitioned into, uh, how, you know, why Oregon State and how the how he's doing there and what he liked about it, his feelings on Clemson, you could tell the frustration of what they were doing there and how it played out just kind of bubbled up. And, you know, as we were sitting there, I was like, ooh, this is, you know, I probably have a, a different story here than I'm thinking I'm getting. And like I said, it was a, it was a really pleasant conversation for whatever it was, 35, 40 minutes. But, you know, clearly for people who read it, you know, he got, he was really frustrated by what they did scheme wise. It's some of the stuff, honestly, that it echoed back to, I did a story with Grace Rayner, our colleague who, who was covering Clemson for a long time, two years ago, when they really struggled about how stale the offense had gotten. And we talked to Dan Orlovsky and RG3, guys who had, you know, analysts who had, who had called their games and they went into great detail about what's wrong there. And DJ kind of brought up some of that. And then he also, you know, kind of transitioned into, you know, the feeling like the coaches were calling plays that were scared, meaning, and, you know, you don't feel like they have confidence in you. And then how does that affect your own confidence? Yeah. And, where he said basically they didn't want to call, he could tell in second halves of games, they didn't want to call pass plays. The Notre Dame game thing was really interesting where he made it sound like Brandon Streeter didn't even know that Cade Klubnik was going to get put in there, backed up against the goal line. When they yeah, pulled DJ, and, you know, and, and Cade's certainly talented, but I think, you know, he gets DJ gets yanked and then like one play later, Cade throws a pick. You know, they were people forget. And I did, too, that they were eight. No, going into that game. Yeah. yeah. Um, DJ DJ was better statistically, certainly in last year than he was in in 2021. Um, but I think what was interesting is you almost forget when he got there. You know, Trevor sideline with COVID. They play at Notre Dame. It's a big game. He he lights up Notre Dame. He throws for a, I think it was a, a uh, Clemson freshman record. They lose in double overtime. Then they play at B play against BC, and he plays really well. And and you're, that's how he. That's in part how he got the Dr Pepper. You know, national yeah. commercial. You know, going into his. Yeah, he set a record for most touchdowns in Notre Dame Stadium, didn't he? Yeah, in I mean, I or something I, like that. I don't know if he 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 did because he. I, in that stretch, it was six touchdowns, zero interceptions, but in the two games, and that includes, you know, he, I think he had a yeah. rushing touchdown in each game, but, you know, he was terrific in those two games. Then all of a sudden, he just fizzled out there. And I think, look, some of it was some of the skill talent went away. And it just, you know, look, I think he's hit the reset button. And, you know, hopefully for his sake, it's, it's going to go the way he wants so it to go. Oregon State brings back a ton of talent from a team that won 10 games last year. Ben Branson went seven and one as the starter, you know, beat Oregon there at the end of the season. DJ's in a real competition. It seems like he is. And the other guy who they brought in Aiden Childs, who's also another South Southern Californian kid um, is really impressive. I liked what I saw from him at practice. He throws it really, really well. He's very athletic. He's young. He's 17, but he's going to be a really good quarterback at some point. But as you said, Gold Branson, seven and one, um, you know, DJ, DJ's still grasping the system. I think they like what they've seen from him, but I think what you see from him uh, throwing the ball and everything else, how we, how it transitions will be a lot different probably three months from now than it was as he's just trying to get the footwork and a lot of the different things they're asking him to do, you know, being under center and some of the other things they do. All yeah, right, GA seems to have like every single physical tool. Like how confident do you, would you be – uh, and him like getting it because like to me as a person who saw it from afar and I think a lot of fans who watch Clemson play might say well it doesn't seem like Trevor Lawrence and Deshaun Watson had a hard time and I guess part of that is that the offense was getting stale or whatever but I, I was surprised to read some of those comments because of how close he and Dabo seemed uh, you know too and now he's going across the country into a new conference a new scheme and a place that frankly doesn't have the same talent level that he's accustomed to playing like i don't really know what to make of this whole thing yeah i would say this and we've all sat in across from people in interviews players it mm -hmm. did not feel like when we were talking he was taking a blowtorch to clemson i know it okay. reads you know and, and yeah you know like when i listen to my you know the tape recorder 
it's strong. I knew it was going to be strong. I just think that like he was really frustrated. And by the way, Dabo fired the offensive coordinator. You yeah. know, I mean, it's not like you know. I had some uh, you know somebody who follows Clemson pretty closely tweet out the story and said, "Hey, I paid the two bucks to sign up for the Athletic um, to read what he actually said as opposed to what people said he said." And they, you know, this person said, you know, I basically it's a lot of what we we thought. Um, it's a lot of what they complain about on their own message boards. So yeah, yeah, yeah I, I just I, think people are like you know, probably a little, little myth that, you know, he, he put it out there. But like I said, I think he was, I think he's frustrated by how that played out. And as he told me, I said, do you regret? He goes, no, I don't regret it. I made great relationships, made a lot of friends there. He met his, his girlfriend who's, you know, she got her master's at Clemson and now she's out, out in Corvallis with him. So I think there's a lot. And he said, I learned a ton of lessons about myself. So we'll see what happens. But Bruce, before we let you go, we're now ending every episode with trivia we're going draft trivia, and I've got a question here that I think you will know the answer to. You, this is this feels like something you would know. You know, for those who've never met Bruce, he can tell you the high school of every, you know, every recruit basically since 1972. <laughs> I bet he's got a pretty encyclopedic knowledge of draft choices too. So we're going back to 1998. Everybody remembers Peyton Manning or Ryan Leaf. Peyton Manning or Ryan Leaf, which, you know. I said my, my frequent radio partner, Ryan Leaf, I, I, I can tell you right now, he will tell you this wasn't much of a choice. But who was selected third after the Chargers picked Ryan Leaf? Oof. I went to that Heisman. I know it wasn't Randy Moss because I know he went a lot further down. I'm trying to think who else. Randy Moss was number 21 in that draft. Okay, Alan Fanica, Hall of Famer, was number 26 in that draft. Um, can you give me a position? Do you mean? Uh, oh, okay. So you meant third yeah. overall, and not the third yeah, quarterback. I'll, I'll, okay. I will. Yeah, I will give you a position. This is a D lineman, and he was selected one spot ahead of a Heisman Trophy winner slash Hall of Famer. This is the Charles Woodson draft, right? Yes. So Charles Woodson's number four. Yeah. Who is number three? I know the answer to this. Believe it or not. Who is it? I'm going to let Bruce answer it first. No, I might be wrong. I got to pick up my son at school. Is it Andre so. Wadsworth? It is. Wow. Four yeah. states, Andre Wadsworth. <laughs> know that. Oh, he's Arizona. That's why. Yeah. yeah. Oh, was, very I nice. Remember, I, the reason why I remember that is because he got drafted by the Cardinals when I was a kid, and people, it was like the Charles Woodson draft. So the second okay. you told me it was Woodson, I knew I knew who they who they got. All right. Bruce, I couldn't tell you who number five in that draft was, though. I will see you guys. You got I daddy think. duty. We'll see you. We're, we're going to do a little more trivia. Thank you, Bruce. Thanks, Bruce. All right, Ari. You got one for okay. me? I got I've one got more one for you. For you. Yeah, okay. okay. Well, I feel pretty high on life right now. I'm not going to be honest. That's awesome. I I think because Bruce had done quite a bit of stuff. I think for ESPN on those those Florida State rushers, and they had some great ones: Andre Wadsworth, Renard Wilson. Yeah. Like so that that one I was surprised. But I've turned the comments off, so I can't see when people are answering on the, in the comments. All right, let her rip. Also, Catherine, that wasn't my alma mater. It was the hometown NFL team. I yes. went to Arizona, not Florida yes, State. Yes, and Andre Wadsworth. A Florida State um, Seminole. There are three teams in the NFL who have never picked number one overall. Who are the Ooh, three? Okay. The Packers? Nope. They feel like they're always good. No, they have picked number one. They oh, have. Yeah. Apparently. Yeah, I looked up this trivia up. The Steelers? Nope. Really? Shoot. Feels like they're always good, too. Um, can't be the Lions. It goes back, like, it goes back a far way. Yeah, I know. So, I know. It uh, can't be the lion. Well, okay. So that's one hint. Be, what I just said because like it goes back a long way. So it's an like an original team, like New York Giants. Well, if you think about it the opposite way, mm, I don't know how to think about it the opposite way. I've <laughs> some teams have been in the NFL for longer than others. The Bears. No. Okay. So you're saying I should pick a younger franchise? Well, I know the Jaguars <laughs> have picked number one. Yeah, the the Panthers are picking number one. Um, yep. The Texans have nope. picked number one. Mario Williams. Yeah. Uh, I've now named like it's really hard. Yeah, I don't I, know. I've now named a fifth of the league and I still haven't gotten a single one of them. <laughs> Can you want me to tell you? Yeah, go ahead. OK, the Baltimore Ravens. OK, they're the Seattle good. Seahawks and the Denver yeah. Broncos. OK. The Baltimore Ravens, is that only because the Browns were re-gifted the Browns history? 
Because the Baltimore Ravens yes. are the, the old Browns Cleveland have, Browns. The Browns have picked number one quite a bit. Okay. Uh, so but, the Baltimore yeah, no. Ravens franchise has picked number one when they were the Browns. When they were the Browns, yes, but not since 2000, whatever, not since or they, 2000 right, okay. when they came. All right. All right. That's a good one. I, I got another one. I got another one for you. All right. Okay. Who is the last player from the Mac selected first overall? Hey, I mean, what, it's uh, more recently than you think. Um, Shall I give you a school? Yeah, yeah, maybe that might help. Central Michigan? I'll give you a team. The Who Chiefs. The Am I supposed to know this? Because I'm embarrassed. You're not. It's one that, that I think a lot of people have forgotten, even though this only happened 10 years ago. Eric Fisher... From Central Michigan, the offensive tackle was the number one overall pick oh, of, wow. of the 2013 draft. The person that kept jumping into my head was Khalil Mack, but I know he wasn't the number one overall pick. Right? He was like he was he was, he was a like high pick. He was five, a top ten I pick or yeah. something. Yeah, he, right. Um, he was a top ten pick, but but yeah, it's it's crazy because that was just a you know he he shot up draft boards and there he was. Yeah. So. Whew. That's, That's a crazy. Good one. You got another yeah, that one. That was a good one. Um, do you remember the year, or do you know what year it was when the NFL draft was first held? Oh, somebody, somebody wrote about this the other day. Was it nineteen thirty six? That's correct. Really? Wow, that was yes, quite a pull. Ooh, by the way, so Eric Fisher was a pretty. He he played fairly well and, and played for a little while in the NFL, but uh, the next two picks did not go nearly as well. Texas A&M tackle Luke Jokel went to the Jags. Deion Jordan, who was like the fifth best player on Oregon's defense, went third overall. And then number four, Lane Johnson to the Eagles. Oh, wow. Guess who um, wins got, that draft? <laughs> I think I've got one more for you. All right, go for it. Which of these... Four college football teams have not had a pick drafted number one overall since 2000. Alabama, Florida State, Georgia, or Penn State? Alabama. It's a fun fact. Yeah, because if if Bryce is the guy or Will Anderson was the guy, I don't think Will Anderson will be because I think somebody's taking a quarterback. But yeah, it'll it'll be Alabama. That's uh, interesting. It's a pretty crazy thing to think about how many players they've put into the draft and have gone that long. Yeah, how many first rounders they've yeah. had in the Saban era and not not a number one overall. But but here here we are, and it looks like it's it's finally going to happen. So yeah, so uh, Florida State would be Jameis. Yeah, Penn State who's who'd be the number one overall? Courtney Brown. Courtney Brown was the number one overall pick for the okay. Browns in the early 2000s. And what was the yeah. other What was the other school? Uh, Georgia has had two. Oh, okay. uh, I think Matt uh, Stafford Trevon, was one, yeah, and, and Trevon Walker, Walker was yeah. the other one. Yep. Yeah, that's that's a good that's a good question. That's a tricky yeah. one right there. Because like I, I wish you know it's like funny because if I would have had to ask that I would have picked Penn State, not remembering Courtney Brown because I would just assume that Alabama had somebody. Uh, yeah, but they've probably had the most of those four schools. They probably have had the most first round picks combined. Uh, right. You know, it just it didn't it just worked out that way. But Bryce is number one now, right? Like it's a pretty it's basically over. We think so. But again, like you read Bruce's draft confidential and it's, eh, I don't know. I thought that like when he started canceling his pre-draft visits, that was like a tall tale sign that it was over. I mean, but I don't really know. It's not a recruitment. So I don't still visit three or four. You'd only need to visit three or four if you're Bryce Young. Different. Yeah. Different franchises because you're going to get picked by that point. What um, going back to the, the number one overall. Has Ohio State had a number one overall pick since 2000? I don't think so. Because they've had they've had a ton of first round picks too. Chase Young was number two overall. They've I had think. a bunch of top five picks, but I think the last time Ohio State has had a number one overall pick was in 1997 when Orlando, Orlando Pace, Pace was taken, which was a yeah. tremendous number one overall pick. But, yeah, but I yeah. think Ohio State's had two or three separate drafts where they've had multiple top ten picks. Yes, yeah. I think about yeah. it, like Jeff Okuda went number three overall. That didn't work yeah. out as well as the Lions wanted to, and and then he just got traded for a fifth rounder. But, but yeah, so there's that's amazing that Alabama and Ohio State in this this run of dominance and this run of putting dudes in the first round haven't had the number one overall. Yeah, no, it's uh, 
you know, I don't know if I'm maybe I'm missing something because the Orlando Pace thing came up off the top of my head. About, oh, Big I, Daddy I, Dan Wilkinson. That's right. That was another one. I think it wasn't was that, he a two year would be Dan Dan Wilkinson defensive tackle. I believe he was after. He might have been. He after was after Pace, Pace? like ninety eight, maybe. I guess. Um. I'd love to be like, either way. It hasn't been since 2000. So I'd love to be dominant enough at anything for someone to call me big daddy. <laughs> well, I don't know what goes on over in Gainesville, but uh, you know, like, maybe one day. No, no, Dan, <laughs> exactly. Dan, Dan Wilkinson was was 94. So Orlando. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Him, so. Yeah, I thought so. I, I thought yeah. that pace was after him. But yeah, yeah. it's uh, yeah, I love the draft stuff. I'm excited to watch it and. You know, Bruce is just an encyclopedia of knowledge. It's man. amazing. So, but did you know how big of a draft dick that Scott Docterman is, our Iowa beat writer? He's he got like big? handwritten charts. I'll get him to explain everything to you. He showed it to me at the combine. It's incredible. He is he is a draftnik, and I mean for fun, not just for, for fun. Work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because people were getting on us about how Iowa wasn't one of the three star U teams. And like Scott hit us with stats of like, here are how many current Hawkeyes are in the NFL. Here's how many have been drafted since X number of days. And I just thought he was a good Iowa reporter. I didn't know that he was just like a, oh, a draft. He's nerd. he's an encyclopedia of this stuff, and he's been doing a series for the Athletic of kind of unpolished gems in this draft from from throughout college football. And so we, we got to talk to him about that. We got to talk to him about his question to Brian Ferentz last week as as we oh, yeah. continue to discuss the drive for three twenty five. Hey, this is this is gonna be interesting. So, Scott will be our guest on tomorrow's show, and we'll have a lot more to talk about. We will have you ready. You will be so ready for this weekend for the NFL draft. Even Bill Burr won't be able to make fun of you. And Ari <laughs> sent me the clip last night of Bill Burr making fun of people who watch the NFL draft. It's hysterical. <laughs> you will feel very seen. I don't care. It's still I'm still watching. We'll talk to you tomorrow.